0: so as you know we're in a four-part series on um the series is actually called where your treasure is there your heart is also Uh, and it's about finance and tithing and generosity and money and the heart but ian did such a good job last week he spoke about it's all about the heart and i see my slides have morphed to call it that and not where your treasure is your heart is so it's actually all about the heart that's what it's it's all about So this is what we spoke about last week. That when it comes to any sort of money or giving or tithing, it's actually all about the heart and it's about giving and how we handle money. So how we handle money highlights what's in our heart. That's actually the bottom, the bottom reason. And God gives us money that we steward. That's the key to it all. And Ian said that, Ian asked, why did God create giving? And it's not because he needs our money, believe me. It's not because the church needs the money. If you look around at the marvelous creation of God, he owns it all anyway. He created giving for our sakes. And Ian said that it's because it deals with the selfishness in our hearts. Uh, and he did that little skit with Paul. He sneaked Paul hundred bucks before the meeting. And then it's going to be my birthday next week. So Ian said we wanted to take his wife to lunch this month. And he didn't have any loot. And Paul came running up and gave him a hundred rand. And afterwards, Ian said to him, did you feel any grief giving that money to me? And Paul said, no. And Ian said, well, why? And he said, it wasn't mine in the first place. You gave it to me before the meeting. And that's the key with money and giving, is that God gives us everything, and we just bring back to him according to how he tells us to in his wonderful love letter and his narrative. And if you remember, Ian spoke about Mary, the story of Mary, and why Mary was so extravagantly generous. Remember, she poured Perfume on Jesus' feet. And that perfume cost a whole year's wages. And that was like seriously generous. And the reason she did it, and last week I saw it for the first time when the scripture was up that Lazarus was sitting in the room with them. So the dudes were having a bra, or right, maybe a fish bra. Uh, they were having a bra, and Lazarus was there, and Mary comes and pours this perfume on Jesus' feet. And the reason was her brother Lazarus had been raised from the dead two months before. So her heart of gratitude was overflowing to Jesus. And so Jesus went away smelling like Mary, like the perfume and the hair, right? But here's the key. He went away smelling like that, and so did Mary. Mary went away smelling like Jesus because of her offering to him. And I don't know about you, but when we sang these songs this morning, I felt my heart open like the little rosebuds in my garden. And I just felt God's presence and anointing And that I was going to carry, not only speaking, but in my life, I'm going to carry the fragrance of Jesus because I worship him. And I thought that was so awesome. So that's where we've been. And that's why we're grateful, because we've been raised from the dead. So Lazarus was raised from the dead. And as as we walk our Christian Christian journey out, I don't like that word, Christian journey. As we walk out our following and our discipleship of Jesus and apprenticeship to the King of Kings, as we walk that out, we understand that we've been redeemed from darkness to light. And that, for me, is like, wowza. I don't know about you, but I come from a family where there's many people in this community that all have families that are saved. I had, I had five siblings. There were six of us. And three have died already. And my folks died in the, in the 80s when I was in my 20s. And I'm the only person that got born again in my family. Jesus just went, Sht. And they all think I'm crazy. <laughs> you know, completely nuts. Even 30 years later, my two remaining sisters, 50 years later, actually, been serving Jesus nearly 50 years since high school, they think I'm nuts. So I know what it means to walk with a heart of gratitude because every day I live it. Fortunately, I met and married in Christ, so I did that right at least, you know. So we we are grateful to Jesus because we've been raised from the dead. So this is where we're going to be going as we go along. So last week Ian spoke about gratitude and generosity, and it was all about the heart. And actually today is all about the heart as well. So I'm going to talk today on why we partner with God. Why would we partner with God financially? What's the motivation? What's the reasons? So I'm going to share that with you. And then next week, you'll get me again on how. What does it look like practically? How do we actually do that? And then Ian's going to wrap it up with what the world system looks like versus the kingdom way. And believe me, they are diametrically opposite. And as I'm talking, just think about this. Our friends and family think we're nuts, right? Because we serve a living God. And they go, where? Well, they can't see him. I mean, how dumb can people be? You can't see the breath of the wind, but you can see the, the rain it brings and the dust it brings. It's the same as God. We can't see him, but we can see his presence in our lives. So Ian's going to show God's system opposite. Would we, do we really think that God's financial system would look anything like the world's? There's no way. It's different. It's alternative. And it comes from the heart, and it comes from a place of gratitude. So that's where we're going to be going with this. Today, why? Next week, um, how? But before we do that, I want to ask you a question. And I'm going to put it up here for you. How many verses in the Bible are there that talk about money? So is it less than 100? You know, little, money is no big deal. Is it like in the middle, 2 to 500? Less than a 1,000? Is it over 2,000? Who would like to venture an answer to that question? Over 2,000. But... Thanks for taking a chance on the chocolate. <laughs> it's over 2,000. So, prayer and faith only have about 500 verses in the Bible, and 40 perc- on, on uh, you know they talk about it. 40% of Jesus's parables were about money. That's a, that's a lot of verses. <laughs> so it gives us the idea that money is really important to God. And you know the funny thing is money's hell of important to me too. It's right up there with air. Every time I want to buy something or do something or go anywhere, they want loot. So, you know, that's what the system that our, our world runs on. It runs on money. Just as an aside, um, God's kingdom doesn't run on money, it runs on faith and prayer. Those are the currencies of heaven, not actually money. So, money's a big deal. So, we're going to go and look at a scripture that's very contentious, as my key scripture for today, and it's the Malachi. Three. Ian calls it the Malachi Papers, <laughs> Malachi 3. And you know, the funny thing is, Malachi is the last uh, chapter in the Old Testament, and then the next chapters start. wouldn't be interesting if there wasn't a distinction between the two of them. So let's read it. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. So what he's saying is, I don't change, because if I change, you know, you guys might get destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, and by the way, the things that are in bold, Those are the keys to where I'm going to go with this, just so that you get a heads up, you know. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decree and ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. This is God. He says, but you say to me, the people, how are we going to return? How would a mere mortal rob God? And then God says, yet you rob me. And then you guys say, well, how are we robbing you, God? What's up? Tell me. In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Now, I can hear the alarm bells going off in your mouth. I'm not under a curse. That's the Old Testament. We'll get there. Just cool your jets and we'll we'll kind of try and put it in context. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be no room to store it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, the insects and the plagues. Now, for us, it's probably the interest rate and the tax man and the load shedding and the international economic, he will rebuke those things for us. So we live in this world system, but you can choose if you want to let those things govern your life or if you want to get under God's way, of the way he does things. So what this whole series is about, taking our hearts, being open, putting them under God's system and saying, what does your system look like, Father? Show me how that looks like because I don't want to work the way the world works. Nowhere else in my, in my apprenticeship of you Involves the world's way, so there must be another way. Show me. He'll rebuke the devourer, and he will not destroy the devourer. Will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field drop. So let's look at this verse a little bit in more detail. Are the Lord do not change. So that's called immutability, and what it means is that God's nature and character doesn't change. So if He says something, it stands. He can't change his mind. Just as an aside, if you remember Abraham with, what was Abraham, eh? with Sodom and Gomorrah, and God wants to smoosh the, send a firebomb on the city, and Abraham goes running off to God. He says, Wait, God, if there's 100 people, will you stay off? And God says, Cool. And, go, you know, Moses goes back via McDonald's, and while he's there, he's like, No, man, let's see if we can get God to go down a bit, negotiation. goes back to God, Abba, Father, if there's only 50 people, tell me you'll stay off. So God changed his mind a number of times but never his nature and his character. Now, ordinances, remember he said, you've ignored my ordinances. So I went and looked up the word ordinances. And it's a principle of ordinary behavior. So it was ordinary. It was a daily thing that the the Israelites would trust God and that they would bring their tithes and offerings. And I'll show you why as we go along from Scripture, why they did it and why it still applies for us today. But remember, it's about the heart. I can just hear people going, I don't like tithing. I don't like this. What am I going to do? And I'm in debt. Park those thoughts and we'll get to them as we go along. So not tithing, God says, is robbing God. So it's not me. Don't throw the chocolates back, eh? Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. In the modern times, that's the local church. So there's no more temple and there's no more priests, right? But in our context, it's the gathering of the believers, the household of faith, where we get fed and taught like they did in the Old Testament. That's where we bring our tithe. And just as an aside, another thing on tithing is, for me, if you can pull something through the cross, then it is part of, um, and it was in the Old Covenant, it's still part of the New Covenant. If you can't pull it through the cross, then it's an Old Covenant principle. Let me give you a for instance. So a for instance is animal sacrifices, right? So they would, the, the chief priest, high priest, would sacrifice animals that would cover their sins over. In the New Testament, Jesus has paid the price with the atonement of his blood once for all. So therefore, there's no more animal sacrifices, right? And our sins are not covered. They are removed, gone. When when God looks at us, he just sees white as snow. So that's a principle that would not carry through. However, this one does. Let's have a look at why. The other thing is that tithing is a test. God said, test me and see if I won't do this. So we can test him and And he tests our hearts through it. So it's a test of, of, are we going to steward our money under God? So now we're going to look at three points on, as I said, why would we partner with God financially? We already know he doesn't need our money. Giving was created so that we could voluntarily partner with him. And giving was created to deal with our selfish hearts because we're selfish by nature. So the first reason is it's a test. So we acknowledge that he's our provider, and we acknowledge that he wants us to voluntarily partner with him in some way, and that's the test. Now, he gives us stewardship over 100% of our money, and he asks us to bring back 10%. But as Ian said last week, little kids go, mine, mine, mine. And all of us do that, mine, mine. And I can hear us saying in our hearts, and I've said it too before, before Ian and I became cheerful tithers, are you mad, God? How can I give you 10% back? How am I going to pay the bills and this and that? And you're all thinking something along those lines. And I ask you to just park those thoughts. And as we go along, let the light of God shine. As Lee was saying, God only shines little bits as we go ahead. Turn left here, turn left there. It says in... Uh, Psalm somewhere, the entrance of your word brings light. So he says, step over here, and you step, and then you step over there. It doesn't shine this great big spotlight into the bush so you can see the pachyderm elephant 100 meters off, slowly but surely. So we have many questions, and hopefully we'll unravel some in the next week or two as we go along. You know what? He could have given us 90% to begin with, and we wouldn't have known the difference. So God has different systems. So let's take Noah, for example. Do you know that before the flood, there was no rain? This blows my mind. The earth was like a hothouse, right? And I haven't read it in recent days, so I can't tell you the exact details. But I think that the water probably came as springs from underground and and nurtured the earth. And there was no rain. It was like a a firmament. And then God changed the model and told um, Noah, build an ark, gave him exact instructions. And nobody believed him. Because why? Because it had never rained before. So God makes different systems. There's an example of where he changed the way things work because now it rains, right? And for us, God could have made... A tree like an ATM you know with gold bars on it and then when you became a pastor you got a special secret thumbprint and you'd go up to the treats and the gold bars would dispense and then it would be fine then the church would be funded and uh, but he didn't he made it so that you and I can participate with him and partner with him and that's the interesting part he wants to give us the opportunity to engage with him Now, interestingly enough, the the number 10 in the Bible relates to testing. So 10% testing of our hearts. We test God. So, for example, how many plagues were there, right? Ten. So God tested Pharaoh's heart ten times, right? And how many commandments were there? Ten. So there's this theme. In everything I'm saying, look for patterns. Look for the patterns of God. God has patterns and waves throughout Scripture. Jacob's salary was changed ten times. So God was testing his heart. Ten times before he got to marry the chick that he really wanted to marry, right? And the virgins in Matthew 25, ten of them were tested. Daniel was tested ten times, right? The disciples, how many disciples were there? Ten? Just testing to see that you're awake. Twelve disciples, eh? So ten is related to testing. And you know, the funny thing is, is that Malachi is the only place in the Bible where God says test me. The only place. Isn't that curious? It was about money because 2,000 times money is spoken about because was right up there with air. I often say to God, you know, why don't you just, you know, make another mechanism? And it's the same as faith. Why do I have to go through all this drama in my life? Couldn't you just kind of change something in heaven and I wouldn't need to be sanctified? You know, once I got saved, I'd become like one of those monks that go sits up a mountain and I would just be holy. (laughs) But he didn't. I mean, he could like the flood, like money. He could have just changed something in heaven and things would be different. But God has patterns and ways that pull through the whole Bible, except for shadows and types, as I said, with the blood covenant, with the shedding of blood with the animals. Some of those were shadows and types of Jesus, but everything else, God's nature stays the same. So, do you believe, do we believe, do I believe, and I've seen it in my life, that 90% of my income, our household income, with God's favor and blessing on it, will go further than 100% without. Big step. We go, hmm, cook up I don't know. Now I want to share scripture with you. and I didn't make a slide. You know the scripture well. In Leviticus 25, God told the Israelites, plant crops for six years. Don't plant in the seventh year. And then you can start again in the eighth year. And they said what we said. And I want to read it to you. They said, What will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? What's going on? Are you nuts, God? And he said to them, I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. God supernaturally breathed on their income. They did it in crops. We do it in time for money or work for a boss or whatever. So in the sixth year, there would be such a lot of grain or whatever they mechanism was they wouldn't plant in the seventh year. I'll I'll go for that deal. Can have a Sabbath every, imagine having a year off and a whole year every seven years. First year, sixth year, second year, seventh year, third year, eighth year, because they plant again and it carries on. And this is how these guys believed. This is how they lived. They lived with the supernatural of God. And we too can live with the supernatural of God. And the question is for us as, I was going to say 21st century believers, but I think it's everybody from after the Malachi Papers, you know, Malachi, everybody from Matthew onwards, we have to believe in a different supernatural because some of the miracles in the Old Testament changed when Jesus came. But do we believe that God can engage with us on a supernatural basis? It's quite a challenge, even for me. So that was the first reason why we tithe, because it's a test. It's a two-way test. He tests our hearts, and we test him to make provision for us. And I'm going to get to what that provision looks like. Because as Ian said last week, it's not give to get. I don't give like some prosperity guys around the world teach and then I run off to God when I'm in need and I wave my receipt in his face and I say, you owe me, dude, cough. It's not give to get. It's get to give. We just give. You need some cough syrup over there? (laughs) So God doesn't necessarily just give back straight away and I'm going to share a testimony later. So that was the first one. We tithe because it's a test. God tests our hearts and we test him. And the second reason is it's biblical. And I'm going to show you um, Old Testament and New Testament. If there was a scripture in the New Testament in red letters, that Jesus said it, that might make a bit of difference for some of us. I'm going to show you one of those. Um, And some people say to me, well, you know, tithing's in the Old Testament, it's the Old Covenant, I need to do it. Well, you know, Don't murder and don't covet. That's also in the Old Testament. That was the law, the Ten Commandments. Maybe we don't need to do that either. Patterns. Patterns of God versus shapes and types that point towards Jesus. So I'll show you a couple of verses in the Old Testament. So this one was 500 years before the law, and it's about Melchizedek. Louise preached on it some time ago when we were in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. He was like a type of Christ, and he doesn't have a genealogy. They can't find anything on him in Scripture. And he was the king of Salem, which is peace. And Abraham meets this dude, and he's so impressed with this dude that they sit down and they share bread and wine together. Sound familiar? It's like a communion, covenant. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything, long before the law, before God even told the Israelites to do it. The next one was Genesis 28. Jacob was going on a long journey, and he said to God, if you go with me on this journey and protect me safely I'll set up a memorial to you a pillar and of all that you give me I will give you a tenth so he recognized that everything he had came from God that was 400 years before the lord the law now the scripture Leviticus 27 and all the tithe of everything from the land whether from grain or fruit everything belongs to the lord it's holy unto the lord so as believers, if we realize that God's system of everything, once we come into the kingdom, think about it this way. In a dark room and you turn the lights on, darkness is darkness and light is light and life abundant. Everything, everything about God is different to the way the world looks. The way we think, the way we raise our children, the way we, we, our marriages work, um, the way we treat our staff, the way we engage as an employee, we are different. We, we, alone, we as well are holy and set apart to the Lord. Then this is a chunk of scripture again um, in Deuteronomy. And this is where the Lord starts telling them. Uh, So now they're going to enter into the promised land. There's been a few occasions of of this tithing before the law. And God says, when you enter the land which the Lord gives you as an inheritance, you'll take possession of it and you'll live in it. And then you'll take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you've harvested, that the Lord gives you. And you'll put it in a basket and you'll go to the place that the Lord chooses to establish his name. And as I said, in our context, that's the local church in the New Testament. And the interesting thing is that God used to live in a tabernacle, remember? There used to be temple and priests. Now he tabernacles with us. He lives inside of us. So wherever the believers gather, where three, two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst, right? And you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion, of the tile from my house, and I've given it to the Levite, to the... Need elder the chief, and we're going to get to this later on in terms of why Ian and I didn't tithe because I didn't like what the Levites did with the money, but we'll get there in a minute. And then in bold in verse 14, I have not eaten from the tithe while in mourning. I thought that was so interesting, and what it means in our language is when we're short of cash, we don't withhold the tithe. But now, guys, this is a process, eh? So everything Ian and I are teaching over three or four weeks, you can't just jump into this. You know, if you, like we were 10 years ago, and I'll tell you a a little bit of our story just now. If you don't tithe or you don't have understanding of some of these principles, chill, you know? You're not going to just start doing something that's going to put you more in debt. There's a process, there's an understanding, there's a journey that one can go on. And once you're in that process, for somebody like Ian and I who have tithed probably for 10 years or so, we don't withhold when we're in mourning. Because why? Because I have a budget book and it gets written at the top. And every month that gets paid first. That's some of the principles that I'm going to teach next week. So we don't withhold us, me personally, because God is first in my life. But for you and for anybody who doesn't, it's a process. You'll get there, we'll teach you, you can move ahead, you can go to take the things that perplex you to God, like Lee was saying, and you can find out for yourself how you're going to walk in that process. Here's the red letter verse. So Jesus said to the Pharisees, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices and mint and dill and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, which are justice and mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So he's saying to them, guys, you must uh, give mercy and faithfulness and justice, but don't forget to carry on tithing. I thought that was quite interesting, because in the New Testament, Jesus you know, often would say, this house is going to be torn down in three days, and they misunderstood him. They thought it was the temple. He was talking about his own body. So if he'd arrived, and he, was, he knew he was the Son of God, he knew who he was, and he was teaching and preaching, he would have said, guys, don't worry about the tithe anymore. It's kaput. God's got a new system in the New Testament. He didn't. He said to them, guys, you're doing all that brilliantly. Don't neglect that, but, carry, but you need to do other things as well, because they were so parat. You know, they were tithed on every little thing. And I'll give you a, an example later on about tithing on every little thing because sometimes Ian and I get income from other funny sources. We do private jobs on the side and money comes in and then, you know, I'll tell you about that. So you, you don't have to be so parrot that every single thing, It's because it's about the heart, right? So that's the New Testament scripture. But there's another one that's also, I love this one. So this one talks about, um, again, they're talking about Melchizedek and Abraham, how... Um, The descendants of Levi, the priest, they used to collect a tenth from the people, and then Abraham had given. So from verse 6, This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. So they're talking about Melchizedek. And listen to this. Without the lesser, and without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In one case, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. What do you think that means? It means that we tithe to a living king, to living Jesus. So we bring our tithes to the local church, but in our hearts we're actually tithing to a living God. And then it says, the next scripture, that Jesus is our, is our Melchizedek. I think it was on the previous slide where it says, uh, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So in the Old Testament they tithe, and we still tithe, but the system, the mentality, the heart attitude was slightly different. So we bring it to the local church, but we're actually tithing to a living king. I thought that was absolutely awesome. So man receives and manages the tithes in the church, but our hearts who bring it is unto Jesus. And I've had to learn a lesson about that because, you know, in previous years, not this church, long ago, didn't tithe because didn't like how they used the money. And so all I did was stamp my foot to the floor and go around and around in circles because I couldn't unlock all that God had for me so the third reason first it was a test we test him he tests our hearts secondly it was biblical and thirdly it unlocks abundance so imagine if remember before in the 13 1400s the people did not have the word of god eh? and the priest used to dole it out for them and then they would do funny things and make them give money and then the people got their hands on the scriptures, like we have access to the scriptures today. Imagine if we withheld teaching you the things that can unlock your lives. That's why we teach it. Openly and unequivocally be, and then you decide for yourself, you look at the scriptures, you ask God where you want to go. We have to teach you. You know in the Bible it says that teachers are going to be judged differently to everybody else. So, I you know, sometimes wonder what I'm doing here. So it unlocks abundance. This is another one of my really favorite scriptures. Again, it's a chunk, but I'm going to give you the background first. So in 2 Chronicles 30, King Hezekiah takes over from his dad. And You know, in the Old Testament, a king would die, and then the son would take over. And sometimes the kings were really good guys, and then they had everything in place for the people, the Israelites, to be blessed in abundance, and the son would take over and mess it all up. In this case, it was the other way around. King Hezekiah's father had left everything slide, and the people were just living with idols, and King Hezekiah goes down to the temple and he sees it's in ruins. The Levites are poor. And he, and he goes back and he reads the book of the Lord and he sees it's because the people aren't tithing. He goes, wow, this is God's principle. Let's apply it. So since I out a decree to Israel, like in those days, and they all start tithing, um, let me find a good scripture to start it. Anyway. So they started tithing big time. Generously, they got under the, the, the word of the Lord. And so about three months later, King Hezekiah thinks he'll go down and check how it's going at the temple. So off he goes on his harley. Uh, sorry, on ha- Harlem, the horse. And he walks into the temple, and there's just bushels of stuff. And he goes to the priest, and he says to them uh, somewhere in verse 9, Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites about the heaps. Now, that's a euphemism for, guys, are the people okay? Look at all the stuff. Have I kind of overdone it? Was my decree too big? And this is what the chief priest says. I love this part, Zadok. He says, since the people began to bring their contributions into the house of the Lord, we've had enough to eat, the Levites, and there's plenty left over because the Lord has blessed his people and this great abundance is what left over. So God's principles are always there. If we engage with the principles, like it's like many of the promises in the New Testament, they're all conditional. If you do this, this will happen. If you do that, that will happen. And we get to choose what we want to do. So imagine if Gary walked in here and there was just bushels at the front of mini meal and rice and sugar. And, and he says, where does all this come from? I said, well, the people are so blessed, they just keep bringing food every week. And Willem will take it to um, Taba and Becky Settlement. And there would just be so much left over that The widows in the church would be funded, and anybody that was having a hard time, because some of us have hard times at different times, we'd be able to fund them. Can you imagine if we all participated? That would be really awesome. Now, the interesting thing is that tithers, you talk to tithers, and they'll go, we've got so much abundance, I don't know what's going on in my life, I'm just a cheerful giver. Not everything works out all the time. uh, Income is seasonal in the kind of environment is in, not really seasonal, but up and down because of various economic factors, etc. And it has to be while we're teaching the series, we're in a low three months. <laughs> so we have income, no problem. We can pay the bills, we can tithe, we can help people, but it's not the super abundance that we have in other months of the year. So it comes and goes, you know. So tithers will say, I've got abundance. And non-tithers will say, oh, you're nuts. What are you going to eat? I-, I can't. Where do you expect me to start? And if that's in your mind, as Lee said, God will find you. And he'll show you for your life what you need to do. And you'll work it out. And if you need help, you can come and talk to us and to the elders, etc. And the other key is you'll never be able to afford to tithe until you start. Because the tithing breaks the curse and rebukes the devourer. We don't like that. It's Old Testament language. It's a thee, thou, mayest, hasest. And it's like, "Ah, I don't believe it. That's the Old Testament. Take it or leave it, eh? Now, Abundance. 3 John 2 says, Richard and I were talking about this yesterday at a function. I pray that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So abundance and prospering is much more than money, friends. Ian spoke about it last week. There's one. uh, Jesus Himself is our very great reward. It was in Hebrews, eh, Ian, and the the Hebrew word of that word reward is only once in the once in the in the Bible, once in the New Testament. It means that God Himself. Is our reward he gives us everything we need in our lives so abundance goes way more beyond um, money the context of this series happens to be money uh, but abundance is more than that um, it's about the state of our souls I don't want to be super rich there's lots of super rich people that commit suicide all the time all the film stars are grumpy and they're on their third divorce and it, it's not about money it's about abundance of the soul right so here's an interesting Verse, the generous man is a source of blessing and shall be prosperous and enriched. He who waters will himself be watered, reaping the generosity he has sown. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. Look at those words, generous, prosperous, prosperous refreshed. That sounds like abundance to me. In every area of our lives, we're just dripping with the presence of Jesus. We go away like Mary did, carrying the fragrance of the aroma of the sweet rose of Sharon. So let me give you a quick testimony of our lives. Uh, next January, in and I have been married 29 years. And uh, listen, that doesn't require a medal. Annalisa, who's just turned 80, next year is the 60th. I want to give her a whole row of them medals. Anyway, so we met and married in Christ, but in fairness, tithing wasn't taught brilliantly 30 years ago. Um, It was either too much in your face and you've got to do this and you've got to do that, or it wasn't taught at all because guys didn't know what to do with it. So we never never tithed and we went round and round in circles with our foot nailed to the floor. Always in debt, always struggling, professionals doing well, but getting nowhere. And we didn't like how they used the money. (laughs) So we were in a church once who had a big conference and they spent a million rand on the sound equipment. And I went, you see, No, man, these oaks are just wasting money. We should feed the poor or whatever, you know. So I was arrogant and it was like, but when you hear the word of the Lord and the entrance of the word brings light, then your heart starts to change. And I have a saying in my life, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So if our hearts are open to the Lord and we say, Lord, I don't understand this stuff. I'm struggling. I'm in deep trouble with various areas, but speak to me and show me. He'll say, turn left here at the petrol station. He's got you on Google Maps, like Lee says. Then we came to Lifehouse about 10 years ago. Not a perfect church, not perfect leaders, but the best church our fellowship in in 50 years. Best leaders. And we fight from time to time and we disagree on issues, but we we're friends. And so Ellen and I went, hmm, we're quite comfortable here, and I think we need to start somewhere. We owned our own businesses at the time. We were seriously in debt. We just <laughs> had the receiver revenue, a huge amount of money. And we thought we're going to do something so we started with something i can't remember what it was in rand value it doesn't matter it was probably two percent of our income you know and we just started giving something because we wanted to fund we wanted to help be part of the kingdom of god i don't think we would even understood the principles of tithing and what started to happen was abundance started to flow in other areas our marriage started to improve we weren't doing very well at the time so we did that then Two or three years goes by. So this isn't like I give and God gives back to me and, and he's going to provide and I'm just going to give and he's going to get. It doesn't work like that because it's about the heart, right? Two or three years goes by. I don't remember the exact details. Then we somebody preaches on tithing and we go, wow, Now we're going to do it. But it cost. DSTV had a go. Went down to Compact instead. Garden service, remember, in Redberry Hill. We'll do the garden ourselves on... Saturdays, and we'll give that, whatever it costs the garden service, to the tithe. But we tithe on the net. So if you earn 10 grand a month, that's your gross, but the company takes medical aid, pension fund, tax, etc., and you only earn 7,000 rand. So we thought, we only get this piece, so we'll tithe on that piece. And we did that with a heart before the Lord, and we tithe on the net. We did that for a few more years. Things changed, things got better, began began to prosper, we merged our companies into a bigger national company, time seed, time harvest. Then one day, about five years ago, I can't remember when, somebody preaches, probably Gary, and we go, it's on the cross. it's on all. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. Amen. No, man. Those uh, Friday night dinners are gonna have to go. Something has to go because we are hard after God. Our hearts are after the Father, and we will take we will do what it takes. I'm gonna serve Jesus. Even if I don't understand these principles, I'm gonna do them. So we made some more adjustments to the budget. Tithe on the growth. Things go by. And where we are today, we are those tithers that say we have abundance. You know, in lockdown, Ian had the best two years of his life in business. And we were able to, Gary was able to phone us, as he probably does to some of you, and say, so-and-so is really in trouble. Can you help out? Sure, how much would you like? You know? We wanted to redo our patio at the beginning of um, 2020, and the Lord spoke to me in the shower. Isn't it interesting? It's always in the shower, eh? And he said, "Shares, you can't do that. There's people in the community that have lost their jobs, and you want to spend X, Y, Z on your patio. So I said to Ian, the Lord has spoken. Shunt money off. Over and above the tithe, offerings, generosity. And I look at this sometimes and I go, you're nuts, Sherry. That's your holiday to Cape Town next year. You know? And what happened was, you know what brainwaves are? You have a brainwave? We get God waves, Ian and I. So then God gave me a God wave one day. I'm retired and a guy comes to the house, a colleague of Ian's. And as he's leaving, Ian walks him out and says, I'll see you to your car and there's no car. He says, where's the car? The guy says, oh, I don't need a car. I, I, I Ubered here. And as Ian came in and told me, "It ping, two cars. I was sitting on the forecourt doing nothing all the way through lockdown and I'm retired. What do we need two cars for? Sold the car and did the patio. Nine months later, because I'd walked in obedience to the Lord. So the point of the matter is that it takes time. But Jesus, who is our very great reward, became in every area of our lives, much more than finance. And it still deals with our greedy, grieving heart. When I have to go and help out somebody one month, and it's like, oh, I wanted a new pair of K-Way shoes for my walking on the golf course this month, and now I can't because so I don't. And then next month, I'll buy the shoes, you know, or whatever. Because how can I buy new shoes when somebody else in the community is suffering over and above our tithe? So now, interestingly enough, I want to tell you that faith and prayer and tithing have something in common. It's all about the heart, and it's not a lever. And I'll explain what I mean. So faith isn't, everything's going to be okay. Faith is, I'm going to be okay no matter what. And prayer isn't, prayer works. It doesn't. I'm sorry for you, but prayer doesn't work. (laughs) I've prayed for lots of people, and they died. (laughs) Or whatever. What prayer is, prayer is a relationship with the king, and it's our heart before him. Why do we pray? Because he says, pray at all times, in all manner of prayers. Sometimes I'm interceding, sometimes I'm lamenting, sometimes I'm groaning, sometimes I'm believing in faith. And tithing isn't about giving and getting back, tithing's about the heart. So, how many of you know believers that went, This doesn't work? I'm not going to do this thing anymore. I'm done with God, He doesn't work and they move away. It's not supposed to work. We serve him because he's Elohim. We serve him because he's the King of Kings. We serve him because he's Jesus, because we understand salvation, because we've had a revelation of moving from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That's why we serve him, not because it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Anybody who knows me knows I have some health problems. That's why I retired early at 56, some years ago. And daily, do I believe in healing? Sure. Do we still pray? Sure. Do I worship him anyway if it doesn't work? Sure, I'll be healed one day in heaven. It would be lovely if I was healed from these neurological issues. Now, liquor, but it So, it's, guys, it's not about it working. Does tithing work? What happens if it doesn't work? It's not supposed to work. It's not a give and get. It's about the heart. It's about us giving. It's about us understanding that he gives us 100% because he didn't want to do an ATM tree. <laughs> he wanted us to participate with him. He wanted to say, guys, you can live on 90%. I'll ask you to bring the 10 Because 10 is the sign for testing, as I showed you in in the Bible. And I want you to participate with the blessings that come from that. But we have to learn to live with it. So you're all thinking, fine for her to share. There's issues in your lives I don't know about. It's a process. So everything we teach is a process. And you will engage with it as you go along. And Maureen, I'm going to share with you later privately. This dude and I had coffee this week and we came up with a word of knowledge for your life and I'm going to tell you about it later. It's amazing where God can just, you have a heart attitude towards God and God will give an answer, a God wave, a brain wave about something else. So do we believe in the supernatural God who can breathe on our crops in the sixth year that there will be enough for seventh, eighth, ninth? Do we believe in that supernatural God? Awesome. So doing finance God's way is like Tilt. I don't know any of you played with pinball machines in your youth. If you didn't, I'm showing my age. And it used to tilt sometimes. You know that thing with pinball machines? Our brains got tilt and we go, uh uh. <laughs> you don't know my circumstances. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. you and I was so badly in debt 10 years ago. We had to sell our house and we rented for 12 years because we made a really, a couple of bad decisions in our 40s and we thought we'd never get out of it. And we look back now, we we, we bought a house uh, about in March, five years ago. We'll pay it off in six or seven years. And I look back and I go, I'm actually not sure exactly what happened. You know, I just know that as the light shone, I walked there. And as the light shone, I walked there. And the other thing was my heart was hard after God. And so is ends. And as we start to see the principles, God starts to show us other things. Spiritual epiphanies and growth that we are enjoying so very much. So he created a mechanism a financial economic mechanism looks different to the world if you're expecting it to look like the world you've come to the wrong place kingdom looks different different way and as ian said last week don't feel condemned whatever wherever your situation is god knows in that situation if you are however hearing a little like i do shares the conviction of the holy spirit conviction says shares you need to look at that stuff there is conviction Condemnation says shares you're a schmuck and you're doing that wrong. Learn to hear the two different voices. The father does speak and we do hear him. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Your perspective changes. I found out much to my abject horror about 12 years ago that half the problems in my marriage were mine. Because it was always (laughs) because of my personality. I was in business, equal incomes. There's no such thing as submit to the husband. It was kind of an egalitarian marriage, and it still is. <laughs> but it's actually about submit one to another. So it wasn't like he's the boss and I, you know. No. You know. It was like I have equal say Yeah, you know. So I thought he was all in the wrong. And I changed the way I looked at things through counsel, through prayer, through close friends, through listening to Holy Spirit, and it's still incremental. It's the same as giving deals with the greedy, selfish heart. Having a good marriage is about getting rid of the greedy, selfish heart, I might tell you, for those who aren't married. And we can choose to open our hearts to God. So that's all I ask today is that we open our hearts to God and he will transform you and he will deal with you and show you where we need to go. So that's the why. It's a test. We test him, he tests us. It's biblical, Old Testament and New Testament in red letters. In Matthew 23, Jesus said to the Pharisees, guys, you're doing this, keep doing it, don't neglect it, but you need to have justice and mercy. And the other one was God unlocks abundance, like with King Hezekiah. The people brought according to the word of the Lord and there was just abundance. But it doesn't happen instantly, quickly. And it's like faith and prayer. Sometimes it looks like it isn't working, but it's the principles, it's the patterns, the patterns of scripture through our lives. So what I'm going to do to close is a quiz like we did last week. It's three questions. Um, OK, just to close it off, it's a, you know, as Ian said last week, it's you can give and you can give by route, and you can give because you have to, and it's because it's the law, or you can give from gratitude and passion like like Mary did. So here's the quiz. The first one is why do we tithe? And there's three wrong and three right. He's lining up the chocolate, so uh, okay. So Do we tithe because we want God to give back to us? Or do we tithe because we understand that tithing is God's model and it looks different to the world, right? Or do we tithe because it's the law? And we have to if we don't be in trouble. Imagine King Hezekiah would send out a decree and they would have to do it. Or do we tithe because we love God and we want to partner with him in all things? He's got our hearts. We want him to have our wallets because it's about the heart. Or do we tithe because, you know, God needs help, eh? with the kingdom and funding the church. Hey, it needs help, eh? We better give our money because who's going to pay for the lights? It is that a bit, but it's about the heart. Or do we tithe because we know that God looks at our heart through our tithing. And where our treasure is, our heart will be also. So if you want your heart in the kingdom, put your treasure in the kingdom. That's not only money, time and attention, where we focus our lives. Where we focus our lives. Anybody venture, you can just say the numbers. You see, it's your fault. Now we have to give out 40 chocolates because they knew it was coming. No, that's rude. And two, four, six is the answer. So he'll throw one there, one this block, one that block. Okay, he wants it. (laughs) (laughs) But can you see when you do a quiz that you kind of see the right and the wrong and then you go, yeah, my heart thinks it's that, but it ain't that. Is tithing a test? God would never test us. He loves us unconditionally. He's sovereign. Why would he test us? Or yes, God wants to test our hearts because he wants to see who we trust and love. Oh, no, man. Testing would be cruel, especially if we fail. That's not God. God how would God test us? Well, I haven't even thought, I haven't done the last one yet. She definitely wants the chocolate. Or tithing tests where we believe our income and resources come from, and it shows where our hearts are and who we worship. So now you'll have to give Lee one because she said... Two and four. Lucky it wasn't a crunchy or it would have broken in half. Okay. Last question. And then I will hand back to Ian. And maybe, I'm sure Bruce in the Pink Pants, the Pink Panther had one last song that we didn't get to. I think it was one of my favorites. Uh, right. Can we test God? No. He's almighty. He's sovereign. Why would we test him? I'm mean, I scared of God. Well, yes, we can test him because he said in Malachi 3, he's going to test us. He'll test, we'll test him. Somebody at the back there. How about that lady at the back there? So see, friends, it's the only place in the Bible where God says that we can test him. So that's why we we partner with God. And next week, I'm going to show you how from scripture, what it looks like exactly. Because there, again, there's some principles and patterns like net and gross, and it would be really help of us if we understood that. But just remember as you go into the week, it's all about the heart, and it's not giving so that it gives back to us. Not about that at all. Thank you, Ian.